From Centered, welcome to the Take Root Podcast, where our purpose is to share testimonies that encourage you to deepen your roots of faith. Join host Karen Johnson to hear stories of those who have experienced God directing their own lives to a deeper, engaged faith. So hello, friends, and welcome to Season 3 of the Take Root Podcast. As we continue to hear stories of faith and hope, I'm reminded of the core scripture undergirding our conversations. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That's Ephesians 3:17. And this is our goal, to encourage our roots of faith to grow deeper into God's love and receive his love and strength for each day. So today, I am so excited to introduce you to a young man that I have met fairly recently, Jesse Pion III. I was so touched by his story and strength in the Lord that I just had to share it with you. Jesse is the youngest school board member ever elected in the state of Oregon, and he sat on the Native American and Alaska Native Council for the National School Boards Association. He owns two newspapers, a magazine, and a real estate business, and he's a full-time MBA student at Willamette University. He's only 26 years old. Oh, just turned 27. Just turned 27. (laughs) Just turned 27. But this just makes me tired just reading all of this. But anyway, I will let him share his story and the story of how God's love rescued him. Hi, Jesse. Welcome. Hey, Karen. Thank you so much for having me on. So good to see you again. Yeah, I know you too. Yeah, and I'm just uh, delighted that you, we have the opportunity to hear your story, the story that God has written into your life. So why don't you just start by telling us a little about you and how you grew up? Oh, goodness. Um, Yeah, oh, goodness. (laughs) Here we go. Well, I mean, I was, uh, well, just uh, for some background, uh, I'm I'm Native American, Mm -hmm. and so... uh, you know, if you look at my 23 and me, it's kind of boring because <laughs> it's <there's> a, <laughs> a dot here and a dot in Germany, I guess. I guess I'm part German. But, uh, uh, you know, I was born in Salem, Oregon, you know, mm-hmm. live in Salem, Oregon right now. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a it's a good town. Uh, t- the reservation's about 20 minutes west of here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in the foster care system. So uh, my first memories are uh, with foster families. Um most of them were pretty abusive. Uh, I don't, I don't know how in depth you want me to get, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, I uh, bounced around homes a lot. Um, I was with one foster family for quite a bit of time, uh, for about like ten years, and uh, you know, they abandoned me and my sister. Um, oh man! Uh, when I was like fourteen, I was a freshman in high school, oh, and. My gosh. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I was homeless for a little bit, and I met my birth father. We didn't get along too well because, you know, he he was just out of prison and he didn't know how to be a dad yet, and I didn't know how to be a kid, and mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so you know, I sure. continued, you know, being homeless. I lived with him for a little bit, lived with friends. Uh, mm-hmm. I was home again, <laughs> uh, you know. Eventually, I got adopted, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, know, we'll get to that story in just a second. Yeah, were were most of these foster families within the tribe or outside the tribe, on the reservation, uh, off it? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know most of them. Like I, I, I was with fifty plus homes. At least oh I was my told. Gosh, wow. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't remember all of them, but I remember. I remember quite a, quite a few. <laughs> none of them. None of them are very pleasant memories. But uh, uh, yeah, most of them were off the reservation. I, I don't think that was a. Uh, they didn't pass that law here in Oregon. At least they passed it, but they didn't enforce it um, hmm. until like I think like ten years ago, something like wow. that. Wow. And what law is that? Um, I don't remember the exact one, but basically, there's a law in Oregon that got passed. Uh, there is a federal law, but it wasn't getting enforced. Um, but the Oregon ended up eventually passing one that says Native American kids can't be fostered by families that are not Native American. And the goal of that, uh -huh. Uh -huh. while it, while it seems like it's mostly race, uh, it's also family related. So mm -hmm. like for me, mm -hmm. I come from uh, the Butler family, which within my tribe, most tribe, like if you talk to most Natives, like you could, they can tell you what family they're from. Huh. And I come from the Butler family, which is one of the largest families within my tribe. And so with this law enforced, um, then what it would have looked like is I would have gone to maybe not a direct family member, but like mm -hmm. a cousin, a great uncle, a distant relative within the tribe, if that makes yeah. sense. And so it's yeah, more family related. Absolutely it does. Yeah. 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 Uh, wow. Yeah. And tell us the name of your tribe. Uh, so I'm a citizen of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also Nez Pierce, um, but the way that the they do it is you can only be a um, citizen of one tribe. They say they say member, but that sounds like a gym membership, and it's it's more you're a citizen of a. It's technically it's a separate country, so you're a citizen of a tribe. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah. I you um <clears throat> you kind of laugh when you talk about fifty homes. I hear you laugh, and yet I see in your face and just under the surface so much pain from even saying that and um, I don't mean to stir that up but I want the listeners to know this is uh you chuckle when you say it but this is a deep pain that kids go through when they are passed around from home to home and uh and that takes a long time to heal from but God intervened in a big way in your life um and i want to get to that in just a second but first of all if, if there was one thing or i don't know maybe more than one if you were the, the the head honcho of the foster care system it seems like there are some obvious things to change but maybe they're not obvious what what would you change to make it better for kids well um the whole thing's a, a hot mess, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think there's I think there's a lot that can be done, and, and it's not just one thing, you know. Um, but um, you know, there's there's a there's a bunch of nonprofits who I think do a lot of really good work, mm -hmm. um, in, individually. For example, like Family Building Blocks works to um, works with the parents to try to prevent the kid from going to foster care in the first place, and I think that's. I mean, that's obviously the key, right? If we can help yeah. parents be better parents <laughs> and huh. teach them the skills to be better with kids, then that's ideal. Um, you know, in, in my situation where, you know, there was, you know, my dad was 16 years old when he, when he had me, right? Oh, and he wow. was, okay. yeah. And so like, if you, if you think about it, you know, he was a kid, he was much younger than me. He was 10 years, he was 11 years younger than I am right now when he had wow. me, you okay. know, and, uh, you know, and he got introduced to drugs from family. And so, mm. 
you, mm. you know, like, so when you're looking at that, you know, how can a 16 year old introduce to things like that from his own family members, you know, how it's kind of hard to blame him, you know, for, yeah. or be angry at him for that. Cause he was just a kid himself. And so uh, a lot of it's generational. It happens within cycles. And so like in that situation, right, maybe family that like the preventative stuff wouldn't have worked. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> However, mm-hmm. at the same time, um, you know, there are other resources. Like, for example, we have a nonprofit here in Salem called Liberty House. And I don't, I don't know how nationwide they are. I think they're just local. But, you know, they help with uh, um, they give like counseling and they help with like abusive situations, make sure that kids get out of it and that they get the help that they need. And they they, they work, mm-hmm. they partner state to make sure that um, things get taken care of. Basically, my, my point is, I think the state's really bad at this. And I think they will always be very bad at it. <laughs> huh. Huh. It's, just, it's just a part of government. You know, they can only yeah. do, the, yeah. government has to check boxes and it's just mm-hmm. a part of the way it is. Whereas like nonprofits can fill in the gaps that those boxes leave behind. And so, um, so I, I think a part of it is supporting nonprofits that support families and support kids. Um, cause I think they have a lot more leeway than the government would to help mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of, once, one of my missions, I, I feel like, um, I feel called to do, um, is, uh, why this, I could maybe talk to you about this a little bit later, but I, you know, when I, when I was homeless, you know, there was a time when, uh, you know, I, I made a promise to God. A God that I didn't believe in yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know that you know that if you got me out of there, uh, I was sleeping in an elevator actually in Portland, and uh, wow. you know, yeah, at, at the time, and it was during an ice storm, so it was freezing cold. I remember my hands were freezing, and I, and I would see these guys go up this elevator, mm. and uh, they, they'd be like these businessmen would go up the elevator, and I'd be sitting there huddled in the corner of this elevator while they're you know, trying to get to their cars, they're going home. And I'd sit there and I'd think about them to myself. And I was like, well, what's the difference between me and them? Um, you know, what do they have? I don't. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, beyond that, like, where, what are they going home to? You know, like where, what are they doing yeah. when they leave? And I would just think about that. And, you know, eventually mm-hmm. I realized the difference between me and them was time. And, um, you know, I knew that I, that I could do more. And so like, I made a promise to God at the time and I, I well, whatever the heck was up there <laughs> that, you know, I, said, you, I said if you get me out of here uh you know then i'm gonna come back and save every kid who grew up like me wow you know and so you know so far he's up he's held up his end of the deal so <laughs> uh, so what one of my goals and one of my one of the things mm-hmm. i feel like i'm called to do is i plan to start an orphanage which i know the states moved away from and the government's moved away from mm-hmm. but the, the the downside is uh, overall, orphanages are not a fun thing, and they're not a good idea for the general population. But there's mm-hmm. a segment of foster kids who end up, like I did, being homeless. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a country, there is no excuse for homeless kids. Right. You and I could sit here and argue back and forth about whether or not you know, we should help a man who decided, a grown man who decided to get into drugs and lose his job and lose his family. Like we, should, we could argue about that, whether or not mm-hmm. he deserves to be given everything we can have that conversation but with kids mm-hmm. like it's not even an argument <laughs> right <laughs> so, right agreed uh, yeah yeah and so what i would do to start with and what i'm planning on doing is eventually i want to open up an orphanage to house uh kids who would oh. otherwise be homeless yeah wow yeah huh well that's a big that's a big goal 
Yeah. And God's got you on a journey towards whatever it is he's calling you to. And tell us about how he intervened in your life. You were homeless. And then there came this time that God intervened in your life. And then everything changed. Tell us, tell us about that time. Yeah. About well, how that uh, happened. Yeah, sure. Well, th- well, this actually happened before. Um, before. Uh, the elevator incident. So I, I knew oh, I, okay. I learned about God before then. I just didn't accept him yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I was, so I, I was moving back and forth between Eugene and Salem. And I was, uh, you know, I was, I was 16 years old. Uh, so I've, I've already been kind of bouncing around homeless or staying with on the couches for a couple years. And, uh, um, one of my friends invited me to come over to his house and so i was like okay cool you know i get roof over my head and some food <laughs> you know uh can't can't say no to that and so i was like sure mm-hmm. so i went over to my friend's house and uh, uh super cool guy his and his parents are awesome they're amazing people uh his dad was an immigrant from uh mexico he didn't speak very good english at the time mm-hmm. and while we loved him he was, he was an awesome guy in fact he he just got his uh citizenship the last couple months so we're super oh, proud of that's exciting yeah yeah great guy um but at the time you know he he wasn't very good at english yet and so uh th- i say that because when i showed up he was like well jesse you can hang out with my dad tonight or you can come with me to this youth group thing i was like <laughs> <laughs> i was like well <laughs> i can't talk to your dad very well <laughs> so i guess i'll go with you uh and he was like by the way all of our friends are gonna be there so i was like, oh, okay well it's a good brain and so uh you know, I like to say he kind of scammed me into going, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ended, so I, I ended up going and all of our friends were there and we were having a good time. I didn't go for the Jesus thing. I went, I didn't even know what or who Jesus was. I just knew that all my friends were there and uh, I, I was staying at my friend's house because I needed a roof. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I needed sheltered food and he was my buddy. And I, so I went with him and uh, uh, we went to this event and they were, it was a big stadium is in Corvallis and oh, I think wow. it was about, uh, between 500 to a thousand kids in this giant auditorium. It was huge. Wow. Um, yeah. And so we're sitting there and they did have this play in the front uh, and it was talking about sense. It was talking about uh, how, how we manage and deal with pain and hurt and trauma in our lives, which as mm. you could imagine <laughs> was something that I was struggling with. Uh, now keep in mind at the time, um, I was an unsupervised 16-year-old uh, who had been on my own for two years and, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, abandoned by, you know, abusive foster families. <laughs> so uh, yeah. the way that I dealt with a lot of my trauma was through, uh, I was an alcoholic. I was, huh. I was drinking, uh, drinking uh-huh. and smoking, and that's what mm-hmm. I did to, to, to mask the pain. And so, so here I am, I, I go into this, uh, this event with my buddy, and uh, they had this whole um play it was a it was a it was a play it was a silent play i don't know how to describe mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. um but it was talking about and it was it was showing us how we deal with our sin and it was showing um you know how drinking or smoking or sex or all these different vices that we use to cover up the hurt and the pain that we're that we don't know how to deal with especially yeah. as kids and yeah. uh I remember it hit me pretty hard <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause I, I didn't know a way out. Um, I didn't know a way out of it. And, 
Uh, in fact, we had a, an aptitude test at school, you know, like the test where they, they yeah. to show you your career and what you mm -hmm. could be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, I took one and I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I don't even remember what the careers were because everyone else was like, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, uh, you know, it doesn't matter because, you know, I'm going to be dead or jail uh, mm -hmm. by the time that comes around. And so that was like my reality, you know, that's, that's yeah. going into this, you know, that's, that's how low, that's, that's how low I thought of myself. Sure. And uh, so at this event, they're talking about uh, people struggling with exactly that, you know, people who don't know, they don't see hope in the future. They don't, they don't know how to deal with the, you know, with the trauma in a way that's healthy. And uh, uh, so at the end of it, you know, I think I'm too cool for school. I thought it was the gangster. I, I was wearing... <laughs> I dress very differently <laughs> than I do now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had long, I had long, I had long shaggy hair. I had my tongue pierced. I had a. <laughs> oh my. Uh, yeah, I was a. I was. I thought I was a gangster. And uh, <laughs> uh, so, so I'm sitting there, too cool for school. And at the end of it, you know, they started playing the song "Amazing Grace," and I'd, I'd never heard that mm. song before. Oh wow. Uh, but I, I was sitting there, and I remember the guy said, uh, "Well, if you've never heard." of Jesus before, but you've been struggling with what we've been talking about today or what we've shown you today. If you've been struggling mm -hmm. with drugs, if you're struggling with, you know, masking your pain with all these different vices, then, um, you know, I want you to come to the front. He's like, you don't even have to accept Jesus. He's like, just mm -hmm. if, you, if you even just want to, if you can just acknowledge the fact that you're in this spot and you, huh. and you don't know how to get out, he's like, I want you to come to the front. And wow. I remember sitting there, and nobody went up. <laughs> Not a single person. Oh. In fact, Amazing, Amazing Grace was like the third song that played. Oh. <laughs> and nobody was going up. And wow. I remember sitting there. And uh, I could feel my heart beating, like, in my mm -hmm. head. And I remember sitting there, and I was like, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going up. There's no way. Yeah. yeah. You know, there, there were some, all my friends were around me. There were some <laughs> ladies there, too. I was trying to impress. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm not going up. There's no way I'm going up there. I was like, that'd be crazy. And I remember, I don't know how else to describe it, but like I was sitting down and then my body got up. Uh, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how else. I, if someone told me that, I'd say you're crazy. But like, uh -huh, I, uh -huh. that's, I, I was trying to sit and then my body stood up and I and went to the front and I sat there and I remember I was the only one there. And I looked up and I saw everyone staring at me. And, uh, wow. and then uh, and I sit there, I just, I just break out in tears because <laughs> I was like, I, oh it was the first gosh. time I'd, I'd even acknowledged where I was. <laughs> and then, uh, um, but I didn't, I didn't know. I just, I saw for the first time, I saw a different way out. You know, I, I yeah. never, I didn't know there was a way out. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I, I looked at the back of the, the auditorium and i see one by one all of my friends that i grew up with and these are all friends we've been friends since kindergarten oh my gosh. <laughs> you know wow. uh, and uh they just didn't know what i had going on at home hmm. and uh you know i see them they one by one they stand up and came up and joined me and you know oh. uh and uh you know i'm always gonna remember that that's that's scary most scariest moment of my life you know the abusive huh. homes and everything i was like that was scary but that that this moment was me having to choose myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was hard. Uh, but yeah, so on, on our way out, on our way mm -hmm. out of this event, 
uh, we were walking to the to the van that we took all these kids in, and this little redhead lady came up. She was the youth pastor. Uh, mm-hmm. It was her, her husband. Uh, the little redhead lady came up. She's uh-huh. like, she's like, you're moving in with us. I was like, you're a psychopath. <laughs> I was like, lady, you're I was like, lady. <laughs> I literally what's funny is I actually told her that. I was like, lady, you're crazy. And I went and got in the in the van and then she's like, okay, well you're at least coming to camp. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you're you're absolutely crazy. And I got in the van and I went back to Eugene. Uh so I went back to, <laughs> I went back to doing my hood rat stuff. And mm-hmm. uh uh you know, then all of a sudden I started getting text messages from her. And mm-hmm. she's like, Hey, this is Tammy. And I was like, why is this crazy lady harassing me? Like I thought, I thought about turning her in, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and but she was like so nice and like small, and she's like a nice lady. I thought I couldn't do it, and uh, she was like, "Hey, just so you know, your friends are raising money for you to go to camp this summer." Uh, uh, it was a young life camp. She's like, "Your friends are raising money for you to go to young life camp." I was like, "I'm not going." <laughs> and like, I started. I kept getting text messages. So every week she'd say like, "Hey, your friends raised a hundred bucks this week for you to go to camp." Your friends, wow. and she would say my friends' names, like Josh and Martine raised 50 bucks for you to go to camp. You know, John and oh. uh, Matija raised $100 for you to go to camp. <laughs> and so then I'm feeling oh. bad because my friends are out there laboring so that yeah. I can go to camp with them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, t- I, I still said no, though. And then uh, <laughs> her husband ended up calling me and he was like, hey, look, dude, he's like, here's the deal. Your friends just raised 500 bucks for you to go to camp. Mm-hmm. And... He's like, you're, here, here's what you're going to have. You're going to have five, a whole week of a roof over your head. You're going to have three meals a day. You get to hang out with all of your friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to worry about any of the stuff you got going on. He's like, and usually we tell people that it's the best week of your life for your money back. He's like, but you didn't pay any money. So, so, <laughs> so I can't give you that deal. <laughs> and, uh, oh, <laughs> and so I kind of laughed. That. I was like, all right, all right, all right, I'll go. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I ended up going to Young Life Camp, and this was at uh, Washington Family Ranch, yeah, uh, where you yeah. and I, where you and I met, actually. Yeah, so that's uh, where we met. Yeah, you know, nine years later, and yeah. uh, and uh, I went there, and you know, it was best week of my life, so no one needed any refunds. <laughs> and uh, while we were there, you know, I shared a little bit of my story uh, with him. With his name was Steve. And then the little redhead lady came up. She's like, you're moving in with me. And I was like, you're, I, was, I still call her crazy. <laughs> crazy. And, uh, you know, me and Steve got pretty close and we were talking about stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, I didn't dive too much into it, but there was a lot of uh, not very fun events that happened uh, growing up to me and my siblings. And, uh, yeah. I, uh, you know, and it was always me. I was always protecting them, you know. And yeah, so sure. uh, a lot of that, I, I still carry a lot of that weight with me sometimes, I think. And, uh you know, I, I acknowledge that, but it's, you know, it's hard to get over. But anyway, so me and him, we would talk about it. And uh, at the end of camp, he came up to me. He's like, hey, Jesse, he's like, listen, he's like, uh, I'd like you to consider moving in with us. He's like, just come out, try it out for a day. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and then if you don't like it, you're welcome to go do whatever you want. He's like, just come stay one night. <laughs> and then, oh. uh, and I, so oh. I told him, I was like, okay, I was like, I will, I will stay one night. That's pretty non-threatening so, to, that's a good way to yeah, invite, yeah, invite exactly. you in. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I went and stayed one night with them mm-hmm. and uh, they, they seemed all right. Uh, I'd never really had uh, like parents before. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I didn't yeah. really know yeah. 
how to deal with it <laughs> there, but they were mm-hmm. super nice. And I ended up moving in with them. So those, mm-hmm. the redhead lady and her husband, Steve are, are now my parents. Yeah. And uh, oh, they, en- they ended up adopting me. And uh, beautiful. yeah, you know, they cleaned me up. They put me back in school. I was already a year and a half behind in school. So I had to catch mm-hmm. up. And, wow. uh, yeah. But, but even then, you know, I didn't know how to deal with, um, I didn't know, I didn't know how to be a kid really. And I didn't know how to, I didn't feel like I deserved it. Like I, I felt mm-hmm. like I wasn't worthy enough to have, uh, you know, a family. I'd never had it before, and I, it freaked me out. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it started yeah. off with me putting, you know, hiding food under my bed, and they were like, "Jesse, you don't have to do that. You can eat whatever you want." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." Uh, you know, and I would sleep with my window open. I still sleep with my window open, actually. Um, you know, but I would sleep on the floor, not on the bed, and you know, I didn't mm-hmm. use pillows. I still don't use pillows, actually, but. Uh, you know, and I, and eventually I just, uh, I couldn't deal with it. I was dealing with a lot of PTSD because I also had to stop drinking. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. And I, I quit cold turkey. And I'm proud to say I've not, uh, I drink every now and then, but I'm not, it's not a vice. You know, it's only a drink with friends. Or, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'm proud That's of that. Really amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with it at the time. And so I, I left and I went back to Portland hmm. and, you know, I was homeless again. Now, yeah, how old are you? Uh, 17. 17. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that's when the event happened with, uh, 17, between 17 and 18. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, that's when the elevator thing happened. Um, okay. and, um, you know, I, I slept in that elevator most of the time. Um, and so, but after the elevator event, after, you know, me and God had our, our, our chat, then I decided, you know what, I'm gonna give this God guy a, ch- a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, so then I what was what was funny is how I got off the streets. So I actually I got a gym membership to 24 hour fitness, it was 30 bucks uh-huh. a month. And, yeah. I, and I could go take a shower. I could work out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I didn't have to be in an elevator. So I'd sleep in the bathroom stall. And, uh, you know, eventually um, I agreed to go back and move in with them and finish high school. So I ended up being a, a super senior when I graduated. Mm-hmm. But you know, I when I came back. You know, I, I, um, I accepted Christ, you know, I, I accepted God and, um, decided that I would give it my best shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, I, I haven't let go since I did, wow. you know, uh, wow. yeah, once, once I accepted God and once I accepted Christ in my life, then, um, you know, there was no letting go. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, something that we talked briefly about at camp when we were together a few months back. Um, you have accomplished so much at by age 27. It's just really stunning. And uh, you talked about how there's a temptation to be prideful around that. Mm-hmm. And th- how do you, at this point, how do you uh, see God leading you and te- what is he teaching you right now? And how are you like learning to lean on him rather than yourself? Sure. Yeah, no. And I, um, you know, that very much happened. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, being homeless, you know, until I was like 18 to, um, you know, I was, became the youngest, you know, elected school board member in the state at age 21. So that's, that's three years, (laughs) 18 to 20. Yeah, it's three years. 
and amazing. Uh, that's really that's truly amazing. Yeah, well, and I was on the the Salem Kaiser School Board, which is the second big largest school district in the state. And wow. uh, um, you know, so between that time, you know, God was working in my life a ton. And you know, I I know my vision now is the same as it was then. Um, you know, but once uh, between that time period, you know, every now and then you start thinking to yourself, especially you know when you're younger, you're like man, I'm, I'm doing some real good stuff right now. <laughs> yep. You know, you start, you start thinking that it's all you and it's not, it's not God. And, uh, you know, so by the time, you know, I was, so here I was, I was, in, I was elected under the, the school board and I was doing pretty well. I had a, uh, a pretty lucrative job at the bank and, uh, you know, I was dealing with handling my, uh, take care of my private clients and making sure that I was, um, I, st- I just started investing into real estate. You know, I'd bought my first house. I'm from homeless to have a house. That wow. was pretty nice. I never thought I'd have a house. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. There so it was. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and you know, I had uh, you know nice cars, nice things, nice suits, and I started buying myself nice things because mm-hmm. I'd never had it, and uh, I was like, man, I, I don't know. You start thinking that it's your yours. You're like, I deserve this because I did this. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, then one day. Uh, there was actually an event. I was I was walking downtown in downtown Salem, mm-hmm. and um, I was I was walking downtown. And one thing I always try to do when I'm uh, I've always tried to do since I was homeless was uh, take the time to say hello and smile at other homeless people. Yeah, uh, yeah. And because when I was homeless, that was one of the hardest things for me was people would walk by me, and it was as if I was a part of the wall or part yeah. of the concrete when I was in the elevator. Uh, so here you are, you're trapped in a, in a box with me. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, I was a, you know, a, a dirty, you know, huddled teenager in the corner. Um, mm-hmm. And he just pretended like I didn't exist. And that, that was the hardest part. And so, um, you know, the cold, the pain, the being scared, I went weeks without sleeping uh, oh. because you don't want to get stabbed or drugged or, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and just the stress was hard too. But the, the hardest part was people um, not seeing you as human, you know? And, and so here I am, I'm, you know, I'm a teenager and I'm thinking to myself, I don't, I knew I didn't belong there. You know, right. I, I knew I was like, right. I'm better than this. And yeah. uh, I don't know when, at what point that realization comes. Cause at first I did not have that. I was like, I'm going to be dead or in jail. Then eventually, you know, I think it was after mm-hmm. that, after I lived in the, with that family, you know, with my parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> Parents yeah, now. yeah. I started yeah. when I was homeless the second, you know, that time after yeah. meeting them and after seeing God for the first time. That's when I started saying, "Man, I'm I'm better than this." You know, I'm I worth, I'm worth something. I'm worth yeah, and uh, precious to God. Yeah, hmm. but it's still hard to be too down. You know, when people walk yeah. by you and you're like a piece of garbage <laughs> to them. You know, mm. and uh, you know, so that's why you know, always ever since then, you know, I always make it a point to sit down and, and chat with people. In fact, I would challenge folks, uh, and it's, it's fun doing, I do this once a week. I, I try to do it at least once a week is I'll go get, um, a Subway sandwich. I'll go get a foot long and, uh-huh. uh, you know, they always cut it in half. And so I yeah. always walk up, I, I'll, I'll go eat lunch with a homeless person once a week, just someone on the street. I'll walk up with a yeah. subway, a yeah. whole Subway sandwich. I'm like, Hey, I can only eat half of this. You want the other half? Like, yep. I'm like, All right. Mind if I sit with you? Yep. And so I just sit That's and chat so nice. with them and yeah. I mean, awesome. they, they don't know hmm. my intention all along was to have them eat half the sandwich, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it just, it helps you see them as human. And that's the yeah. biggest part. Mm-hmm. You know, they get a free meal and that's great. And, 
uh, you, and you they know, see so themselves when, as valued by somebody. Yeah, totally. And so now, like, I have a bunch yeah. of homeless friends downtown who they're like, "Hey, Jesse, hey, how you doing, Phil?" <laughs> and, mm, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, and it like it doesn't take, you know, they everyone's always going to ask for like for money and stuff, and you can't always do it every time, right? But at the same right, time, it's right. like you can say hi, you can smile, yeah. and uh, you know, acknowledge them as a human being. Yeah. Uh, so I, I tell you this because there was this time I was, uh, you know, I was all suited up in a, a fancy suit that was that cost more than it should have, and I'm I'm walking downtown on my way to a to a business meeting, and. Uh, uh, and I walked by this homeless guy, and I walked right by him. And instantly in my head, uh, you know, I got a flashback of me when I was sitting there. Mm-hmm. And these men in suits would walk right by me. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I just broke out of tears. In fact, I'd missed my entire meeting <laughs> because, wow. you know, I, I realized that, you know, I had just done what was done to me. Yeah. So many times a day, uh, every day, <laughs> it had... Uh, you know, I realized that was the one thing, you know, when I made my promise to God, you know, as I said, uh, you know, while I didn't believe with him, I still said it. <laughs> you know, I said, you yeah, know, if you get me yeah. off the streets, I'll do what I can to make sure you no know, kid grows up like this. And, um, you know, and so here I am <laughs> doing the exact thing, the opposite mm-hmm. of what uh, what I gave my word to. And uh, I started to realize that I was like, man, no, this is me. <laughs> I don't deserve any of this. And so I, I started to realize that, you know, me, my own ego was getting in the way of my ability to do what my intentions were. My intentions were still to help kids, yeah, but yeah. sometimes your actions on your way to get there mm-hmm. uh, don't match with your your overall mission and your vision. And so ego was a big, is a big bad thing. <laughs> and so what I did yeah, was, yeah. um, now you don't have to go this extreme. I, I don't have, I still don't have a wife and kids, right? And so like, I, I, I wasn't afraid to to get rid of some stuff and so mm-hmm. what i did was actually i sold off um i sold off most of my i sold my house uh mm-hmm. i sold my uh my car i got like a, a cheaper car I, I gave away most of my stuff that mm-hmm. i didn't need and uh you know i still have stuff like i, I like hunting i like fishing i got my kayak i got uh, <laughs> you know i got you, you got quads you got their bikes you got, you got i mean you can have some stuff right but yeah, yeah. it's the stuff that gets in the way that makes you feel better than other people <laughs> i got rid of all of those things <laughs> and uh um, wow yeah including i had to end a relationship that i was in at the time because hmm. her family came for money and all she cared about was things and huh. uh I, you know so i, I had to i had to end that <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. it was hard it was really hard wow. yeah i bet wow. i realized in order for me to do what i told what i promised god that i would do and, and what i felt god was calling me to do i needed to be to take the action in my own life to mm-hmm. walk that walk yeah to walk the walk of what i believe and so yeah. i had to uh, i had to do what it takes to make sure that i can walk the walk in what i believe um mm. yeah and so you know after i walked by that you know that homeless man and i realized that i i was a part i was doing exactly what mm. made me feel like worthless when i was homeless uh and i did that to someone else um it broke my heart so yeah. I, I told myself I'd never do that again. So I haven't done it since. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a good, and it's a good lesson for all of us, all of this that you're sharing. It's su- such good teaching for us to learn from. So thank you. 
So, so you're in your final year of your MBA, getting your MBA. You're going to graduate, what, in May? Yep. And that's really exciting. And so what is God teaching you right now? And what do you look forward to just next? Well, I, in the short run, uh, you know, I, I can make all the schemes and plans that I want. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's important, it's important to have goals and it's important to have plans. And the plans yeah. and goals that I have, I think, are what God are, wants me to do. That's mm-hmm. in my feelings of my heart. I think that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, as well as I do, you know, we can scheme and plan and plot all we want. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's going to be what God wants, which yeah. is good yeah. that happens. And so, uh, you know, I'm retired from the school board now. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't have any plans of getting back in politics. Uh, it, I mean, if God, if I felt like God was calling me to do it, I would do it. I really uh-huh. hope he doesn't. And I do not mm-hmm. want to. <laughs> okay. my, my, my plan is to, however, at the same time, policy is very important. Legislation yes, is. is very important because it affects yeah. everyone's lives. And yeah. a lot of the foster care system, a lot of homelessness can be solved through uh, the legislative mm-hmm. process. And so my mm-hmm. plan is um, to continue to expand and grow my businesses. So I, I like I have my media company with the papers and real estate. And my plan is to get into, uh, you know, either finance and real estate after I get done with my MBA mm-hmm. and uh, like real estate development or maybe finance. I'm not entirely, uh-huh. I'm, not, uh-huh. I'm not sold on the product. <laughs> Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> uh, the main thing is, you know, I enjoy. I'm really good at business strategy. I'm really good at mm-hmm. leading uh, and managing mm-hmm. a business. And yeah. so, uh, uh, yeah. So I mean, my my game plan is to build up my businesses. I want to own. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to own mm-hmm. a bunch of businesses and then use the profits from my businesses to fund um, an orphanage to start mm-hmm. with. And then if I can make it sustainable, make it so that way I can fund a bunch of them um, across mm-hmm. the states because. Um, the benefit to to that is if I'm funding it, then I don't have to take orders from other people. Because um, yeah, when yeah. other people give you their money, they have control over what happens, and that's just yeah, that's just yeah. a, a fact. And yeah. so I, I just need to make sure that the vision that I have for making sure that kids get taken care of can actually happen, and it's not dependent uh-huh. on politicians. It's not yeah. going to be dependent on you know people who might not have kids' best interests at heart. And right. uh, so, yeah, I mean, my, my plan is to build up my businesses and then do what I can to give back. Um, okay, that's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And in the midst of that right now and everything you're going through, what's God teaching you? <laughs> uh, I think God has been teaching me to, especially right now, I think to how to slow down mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm laying down a really good foundation. Mm-hmm. Um because in order for me to be the leader that I want to be, um, and if I'm ever going to lead our community from um, and, and help change things, mm-hmm. then I need to change who I am first before everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like when I was homeless, I knew, you know, the, yeah. I, the, <laughs> later, you know, the second yeah. time, you know, I knew yeah. that I wasn't meant to be homeless. I knew that I could do more. But yeah. other people didn't know that. People walking yeah. by me didn't know that. They would have hired me if they knew. That would have been a bargain <laughs> for them. <laughs> you know? Uh, and so, you know, they just didn't know. And just like when I applied to Willamette University, which, you know, is a well-ranked business school in, yeah, in yeah. Northwest, um, you know, they actually rejected me the first time I applied. Huh. And, uh, and, but I knew that, I knew that I 
would succeed and do well there. They just, they didn't know that, right? And so what I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I applied right out of of high school. And they just, they're like, no, there's no way. Look at your grades. Uh You you can go to school for you now. What are you thinking? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The admin lady literally told me, she said, you will never go to school here. And I was like, yeah, that was kind of mean. But (laughs) but at the same time, uh, you know, the way I looked at it was like, she just didn't know. You know, she didn't know what I knew. I knew right. that I could do it. And I knew that God had plans for me. And I was like, right, right. It's, she just didn't know. And so I had to go yeah. to community college for a couple of years to prove yep. to her that I can do it. And once they saw, oh, he can do this, then yeah. I did. And so I think awesome. similar to that, you know, I think that's kind of yep. how life is a lot of times. So in order for mm-hmm. me to become the business leader that I want to be or like the community leader that I want to be to help uh, implement change and make our community a better place for people to live. Uh-huh. I'm working on becoming the man that I need to be in order to in order to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, it does. It sounds like you're almost saying the number one person you need to disciple is is yourself to God. 100%. Like that relationship. And then out of that stems everything else. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why like between like, you know, like uh, my businesses that I manage, uh, I have a lot of investments, but I'm not the controlling partner on most of them. Uh-huh. Uh, but I am on a couple. And so, like, mm-hmm. one of the ones that um, that I do is between, like, real estate or, like, uh, the papers mm-hmm. is when I'm leading my company, I try to think really hard about biblical, in the Bible, like, what where does leadership come into play? Uh, and uh-huh. and so what I do is I, I'm not very good at memorizing all the verses. I, <laughs> I, I can't. I'm late. I'm late in the that's, game. That's okay. <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay. I, yeah. I don't want the human part of the Bible to get in the way of Jesus and God. Yeah, and so yeah. what I try to do is I try to learn the stories because yeah. I connect I connect really well with people who aren't Christians and uh-huh, people who uh-huh. aren't religious because yep. I didn't grow up religious. And when I tell them a story instead of John 316 or whatever they are, yeah, yeah. nobody knows the numbers or who John is, yeah, but they yeah. do, <laughs> people do listen to stories. And so they a lot do. Of times, I, I try to memorize some of the stories and the ones that play into my life or play into leadership than try to live my life in the way that Jesus lived. And I I think I try to keep it simple. (laughs) That's so beautiful. Yeah. I love simple and I love, I mean, you can look at Jesus and see the model of leadership is servanthood, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Excuse me. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story and and to be so vulnerable in sharing it. I I know it's a painful one to tell. Yeah. Um, Thank you for the lessons uh, that you teach us through it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and maybe yeah. just one more thing I just had yeah. in mind that that was, um, I think that like for me, for example, and I, I barely hardly even touched on a lot of the stuff, but I think that, you know, we all have trauma and there's a lot of pain and, yeah. and hurt that we have to overcome and yeah. you don't really have a choice. Life moves on <laughs> whether or yeah. not you get over it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the biggest things that's been helpful for me is, and I don't even know if this is the right way. I'm, a counselor might tell me, Jesse, you're 100% wrong. <laughs> but one of the things I try to do is, you know, I, I've recognized the fact that I have scars. And mm-hmm. um, some of my scars, when I poke them, they hurt. Yeah. And I, I think it will always hurt. I, I mean, I it might not. There, yeah, People always right. like, give it, give it to God, give it to Jesus. And some of them, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I can, you know. I can't acknowledge the fact that 
you know, I do know that Jesus loves me. I know that God loves me. But at the same time, you know, I, I can see the fact that I have scars, but uh-huh. the scars are, are beautiful. You know, they make you who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be here right now if what happened to me didn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wouldn't have the heart for kids or to make a difference in our community if I hadn't gone through a lot of that myself. And so yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wanted, you know, to leave on that note of whatever's happening in your life or whatever has happened to you in your past, why it might hurt. And yeah, maybe you have scars from it. You know, I know I do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can use that to uh, for positive. You know, and you yeah. can recognize that. You know, those scars are beautiful. You know, yeah. it's a it's a beautiful thing to be able to overcome. And mm-hmm. uh, and so, yeah, I'm just really thankful for God for helping me see that. That's beautiful. And there is, <clears throat> excuse me, there is that beautiful promise right there that you know God God promises He won't waste anything that He'll use everything in our lives. Yeah. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean he caused it. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means he always promises what you just said that he's not going to allow your your scars and your wounds to be wasted. He'll use them if we if we allow him to. And you are doing that in a big way. And uh, thank you again for teaching us and sharing your story. And I love you, brother. I'm just so delighted. <laughs> love you too, Karen. That I got to meet you and that we got to share this time today and share your story. So bless you. Thank you. uh, We'll see each other again soon, I hope. Thank you for listening to the Take Root podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. To learn more about Centered and hear more stories of discovery and growth in Jesus, visit us at centered.org.